G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. As we do on a Thursday, we like to check in with Family Voice Australia. Greg Bondar is Family Voice State Director for New South Wales and the ACT. Hey, Greg, welcome back to 2020. Oh, delighted to be back, Neil. <clears throat> hey, back from your tour to Uluru, visiting churches, missions in the Northern Territory. How do you rate the whole experience, Greg? Oh, Neil, I have to tell you, it was very spiritual just to be out there and looking at the countryside, the God's creation. We were looking at the stars, you know. We looked at, we had an explanation of the of the galaxy and 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 you know the 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 Southern Cross, and it was just so spiritual, you know. And if you look at Psalm eight, which I preached on recently, you know. There's no doubt that when David was looking up at the stars and he was saying, "Oh God, how majestic is your name above the heavens and the earth." Neil, the outback too was fantastic. We went to in Alice Springs. I have to tell you, we we went to a wonderful, huge church, uh, the Baptist Church at Alice Springs, and there were oh, a couple of hundred there, easy. So. Um, we, were, we had a wonderful time, Neil, and uh, very spiritual, I have to tell you. Well, that's not the reaction I'm sure a lot of people think. Uh, you know, you're doing a tour to Uluru. You were leading, I think it was more than 30 people on that tour. And yeah. uh, the thought that there might be a spiritual experience being in the outback, going into the centre of the nation. And uh, it almost sounds, Greg, a little bit like what a lot of, uh, you know, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people mm. talk about when they're having this spiritual connection to the land. In fact, being out there, the big wide open spaces, the the huge sky above, that is, and just I don't know whether you've got any more to, to add to that, but, you know, the spirituality of being in a great nation like ours, it is significant. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And I keep making a point. We met with some wonderful Aboriginal pastors now. And, um, <clears throat> and one of the points that we made was we've got to admire the, the creation that we have, you know, the stars, the, the you know, Uluru, the rock. The, and, but let's not forget to make sure that we give credit, due credit and only credit to the creator. And that's the real issue, and that's why it was so spiritual now. There's a context, isn't there, for the land, and let's start with God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Uh, wonderful yeah. stuff. Hey, Greg, a new yep. chapter for the Eternity newspaper, and uh, something yeah. of a, a sad day. Yeah, I think it is a sad day now. Uh, I, I work very closely with Eternity through Family Voice, and in particular, its editor at the time, John Sanderman, and uh, I just thought it was worth mentioning because, you see, a lot of the churches, you know, would have received Eternity newspaper. They'd be at the back of the church uh, or, the, or their hall, wherever, and they'd pick it up and they'd re read about it. And now it's gone digital, which means that there's no real role for John. But, you know, I have to mention this, Neil, that back in 2009, when John started to think about Eternity, you know, it was on his kitchen table, apparently, and the, the first draft of the paper was called The Australian Christian, which John changed, uh, you know, I, I think a few months later, to Eternity. 
and uh, in 2011 it was taken over the by, by the Bible Society, which is a non-denominational. Neil, I don't know, you must have read it, I have, I know a lot of people at our church have read it and everywhere I travel, but I think it's a sad day because a lot of people still like the old-fashioned hard copy paper version and uh, it may put some pressure on the elderly who are not so uh, social media savvy, Neil. <laughs> well, I've had some interactions with John over the years and certainly uh, I've been receiving those Eternity News headlines and sometimes there's been a mm. real good guide and even background for some of the things we've talked about on 2020. So special honour to John and to Eternity and these are changing times. As you say, it's mm. not going away altogether but uh, things will change and I guess people who are connected with Eternity will probably keep up with those sorts of changes and probably not too late to to connect either with the way things are evolving there. Um, yeah. Moving forward, any any thoughts on what's happening with them moving forward? Uh, look, Danny, it, it will. Look, I, I've got a feeling that it's going to go digital. It's going to go social media track. Uh, now, you know, Bible Society were saying, oh, you know, there's been a decline in the publication. But don't forget, Neil, for the last three years we've had COVID. So there wouldn't have been any hard copies put out because you couldn't put out anything that was uh, uh, paper, which, which, you know, it was an issue. So I'm a bit surprised, but I think it's going to go down the digital track. It's saying it won't be more newsworthy. It's going to be more stories based on, you know, from faith leaders and contributors. So the format concerns me a little bit, but look, anything to spread the gospel is good news, I think, now. Well, stories are powerful, and people Mm. relate to stories, and uh, we can testify to that uh, here on the radio. Uh, The way that people respond to hearing those personal stories of faith. Uh, So look forward to some changes there Mm. uh, for eternity. Hey, some other big issues that are worthy of uh, just touching on today, Greg. The Albanese government uh, to move to grant territories the right to set their own voluntary assisted dying laws. We're talking about the Northern Territory and the ACT here. What's the development that you're aware of? Look, as you know, Neil, there's a lot of history behind this and there's been a lot of media about it. But my real issue with this, which I want to raise with your listeners, really, one is that uh, if you recall, I think back in... You know, 1997. There was a, there was a ban. Um, you know, they, the, the bill was trying to be introduced then, and Kevin Andrews at the time with the Howard government, of course, you know, said no, this is not happening. So it's, the ban has been in there, the ban that is for the ACT or Northern Territory to, to introduce uh, VAD laws. So that's a 25 year ban. Now the Labor's now come in. They said they want to give the actual territories the right to determine their own future on the bill. But the important thing I want to point out here is now this could be a change in Labor because it's most unusual, you know, being a political animal as I am, Neil, Labor is now going to try and give all the votes uh, on, on this particular bill a conscience vote. Now, Labor normally says you do as you're told or you're out. So this could be a conscience vote, which I think is not a bad sort of uh, approach. I mean, I'm a proposed to the VAD bill as such, but to allow the Labor uh, MPs to vote on a conscience basis, it could prove difficult to get the bill across now. Interesting as you say that, uh, and I'm sure it's not all confirmed that it's going to be a conscience vote because that would be unusual no. for Labor. And, uh, yeah. you know, as people have reflected 
I think over the years, uh, the Labor side of politics has laughed at the Conservative side for having conscience votes because yeah. oftentimes that means, you know, you're going to lose. Someone's going to cross yeah. the floor and uh, make a mess of where you thought you stood on these things. So mm. it would be unusual, wouldn't it, for Labor to have oh. a, a conscience vote? Oh, very much so. As I said, look, having worked with Labor over the years and years and, 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 and all parties, but Labor is of the view that you do as we say. In other words, very rare to have a conscience vote. But on this particular issue, if they do, I think that's a new departure for Labor. And don't forget, Neil, that, well, you know, um, the Catholic community, the Catholic Church, the Catholic, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, environment all started up with a Labor politician. So, you know, it, it, it's going to prove really difficult for some Labor people who are, and there are a lot of Christians in Labor, Neil, just that they're under coalition and what have you. But I think it's going to be a real issue if some of those politicians who are Labor and opposed to voluntary assisted dying aren't given the opportunity to have a conscience vote. Okay. Now, Christians on the voluntary assisted dying, the euthanasia, we're always Mm -hmm. the ones, Greg, who are saying, this is wrong, this is bad. And uh, depending on what government is in power, uh, the ease of which these things move into law, and that looks like that's going to happen under Labor, uh, that doesn't change where Christians stand on all of this. Uh, Technically, somebody pulls the trigger. Somebody makes the prescription. Somebody is responsible for another person dying. When we're Christians, we say, isn't there a commandment that says thou shalt not murder? And this is one of those issues, isn't it? That's a, it's a contradiction to the commandment. Thou shalt not murder. And then all of a sudden you've got legislation giving someone the right to take another's life. That's where Christians stand on this, isn't it? Absolutely, Neil. But I have to tell you, you you know, and I've, said it over many, many times in your program, I'm totally opposed to voluntary assisted dying. I believe only God has the, the power and the authority to create and take life. Now, that said, Neil, the, one of the issues I find is I go and preach at a lot of churches. Um, I speak to a lot of people, all denominationals, but I went to a church recently where that particular church, and I won't mention it for, for obvious reasons, you know, they were of the view that, that, that you know, oh, no, voluntary assisted dying was okay. I said, well, I'm sorry, you must be reading a different Bible to me because, you see, it's just not on. Because, you see, the the philosophy should be, spiritually and biblically, is where there is life, there is hope. And I'm all for palliative care to, to, to make sure that palliative care gives you that opportunity for life and hope. Spend more time with the loved ones instead of just pushing a button, injecting a needle or whatever the case may be now, you know. And interesting to reflect on this because you want to take things down to a deeper level of saying who's responsible. And uh, let me just jump out onto a limb here. While I've just been critical of saying that it's usually a doctor who pulls the trigger Mm. by making that prescription, uh, let's just bring some responsibility onto the shoulders of the governments in our nation, Greg, who have been enabling these laws for doctors to do the trigger pulling. And there is a sense, isn't there, that when a, a, a government passes these sorts of laws, they're pulling the trigger, and I think that's been the case in South Australia. Uh, and so not South Australia, in Western Australia, where they've uh, just completed, I think it's their first year on, uh, on VAD laws. Uh, yep. Any updates on what's, what's been happening in Western Australia? 
Yeah, and that's the reason why I wanted to now talk about the WA situation, Neil, as we talk about the Albanese government doing the territories. Because, you see, in, in, in WA, it's now one year, a whole one year that uh, this has been introduced, the voluntary system dying bill. And what we've got there, which is actually 1st of July 2021, here are some key things that have come out of that uh, in, in the past year, Neil, and that is one, the take-up of voluntary assisted dying has been bigger than expected. Number two, it was accessed by people from all walks of life, so there was no sort of generic, uh, uh, ge- uh, you know, uh, geography or, or, you know, demography that sort of indicated who was taking it up. But one thing we did find out, that the average age was at 73 or over. Now, now the problem we've got here is that, wow, 171 Western Australians actually used it since 1st of July 2021. Now, there are still doctors over there, Neil, that find this absolutely anathema, but to have to be forced into carrying out VAD uh, procedures. So it's a real issue, Neil, and it's sending the wrong message as well. Uh, I think a lot of people don't appreciate the pressure uh, to have doctors participate in these laws. Uh, When you're talking about uh, the beginning of life or abortions or at Mm. the end of life, uh, euthanasia, VAD, uh, there are people who are involved and those who have a moral objection to that, like some doctors who will hold to a Christian view, uh, being forced to participate in something that is uh, contrary to their morality, that's something Mm. that ought to concern us all. Absolutely. I've got doctor friends, you know, and I said, look, the the actual, uh, you know, ethos of a doctor should be to save lives, not to take it away. And this is why I find it a real, real conflict when I see politicians, some of whom are doctors, um, you know, actually proposing a voluntary assisted dying bill. Now, if the take has been so great in WA, and we'll find out for New South Wales later in a year's time, but what message, Neil, is this sending to the youth, the lonely, the abused, the elderly, the disadvantaged? I mean, if it's so easy to take up voluntary assisted dying, that it's sending the wrong message to these people who are very vulnerable to accessing such a scheme. Uh, so, you know, as you said, and as I agree with you, governments have got a lot to account for when we look at the voluntary assisted dying bill uh, data. <clears throat> and as you say, Greg, there's been a higher uptake than was anticipated. Mm. Uh, the numbers of people who've taken the first step uh, in the initial 12 months in WA, uh, that's actually quite uh, disturbing, the numbers. Yeah, I mean, 682 people in a year applied for it in the first 12 months. Of that, only a quarter actually taken it up because there could have been delays for whatever. Now, that is between three to four times greater than what, what was expected and what was put to Parliament to saying, oh, no, it'll be OK, it'll be down the could you know. And, and, and the problem we've got is that, um, that uh, the, the, the bill has been absolutely, I think, I think in my view, abused uh, in terms of uh, accessing it. So, so you, you want to hear something interesting? Yeah. More men than women, women have actually taken it up I'm not sure what the reason for that is, but it's interesting data. It's disturbing data. 
And it's something that we need to keep an eye on because I think every government is open to submissions on any, on any legislation that can be amended or repealed or whatever the case may be, you know, if there are you know, facts to support that. And I can't remember all the details just off the top of my head, but uh, when we've had various ones who've been experts in this field and reflecting on euthanasia, voluntary assisted dying, and uh, with their examination of what's been happening overseas in some of those uh, northern European nations that have had VAD Mm -hmm. for a long time, uh, the fact that so many people have been able to access that, even because they've just uh, had a bout of depression or... Uh, even children in in those numbers. Uh, Very, very challenging. And this looks like what's going to be coming to the territories. So Northern Territory and the ACT. And uh, if WA's experience with, as you say, Greg, between three and four times greater than what was expected, because no doubt when they put legislation through, they always uh, underestimate the numbers. But somebody's responsible, pulling the trigger there, and uh, it starts with governments who are making this sort of legislation. Hey, Greg, uh, I always like to touch on things that you've got coming up. Um, Things uh, coming up, uh, you've got another webinar coming up some uh, in in the next little while. I certainly have, Neil. On Tuesday, 19th of July, look, I'm interviewing a a wonderful Christian man, Warwick Fairfax. Now, that'll bring... uh, a bell with a lot of people. Fairfax, of course, the Sydney Morning Herald, the Fairfax Empire. Uh, as you know, Warwick Fairfax uh, took over the reins, I think, at around about 1922, whatever he was. And um, he lost $2.3 billion in an attempted takeover bid. So he's got a lot to account for, uh, but he's written a wonderful book called Crucible Leadership, which I'm reading along with yours, Neil, at the moment. So I'm reading a lot of books at the moment. And uh, he, he tells you a fascinating story about how he, you know, how faith played a great role in his corporate life. So I'm hoping people will tune in Tuesday, 19th of July, and listen to Warwick Fairfax, who now lives in the United States, by the way. And an historic character, Warwick Fairfax, uh, given the amazing Christian heritage of his own Fairfax family. And uh, what an amazing story. And the fact that these days he leads that crucible leadership. Uh, no doubt some really very significant things that he'll be sharing in your webinar. That's coming up. That's uh, Tuesday, the 19th of July. And no doubt you can register to be part of that on the on the Family Voice web- website. So familyvoice.org.au, familyvoice.org.au. And uh, for detail, resource, information, updates on the sorts of things we're talking about today and your connection to Greg Bondar of Family Voice Australia, the State Director for New South Wales and the ACT, familyvoice.org.au. Greg, thanks so much for the update today on 2020. Oh, thank you, Neil, and I'm delighted to be back. Uh, look forward to next week. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.